Welcome back to God's Brand. It's your host, Puzzle Making Poe, out you with another grind. Uh, um, we are still on to the segment of the Girl Man's Book Club. Um, this is a very important book to me. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying the um, monologue, I guess. I think that's what it's called. I don't know. My terminologies. Uh, I'm just a podcaster. I guess just trying to do some weird stuff. So, we're going to start on page 78, halfway down. Um, let's get it rolling. I have said this mode of treatment is a part of the whole system of fraud and inhumanity of slavery. It is so the mode here adopted to digest the slave with freedom. Okay, so we're going to stop really quick because this was really dense. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I really got caught up at fraud and lost everything else. Um, So I'm going to reread that. I have said that this mode of treatment is a part of a whole system of fraud and inhumanity of slavery. It is so. The mode here adopted to digest the slavery with freedom. The mode here adopted to disguise the slavery with freedom. By allowing him to see out the abuse of it, it carried out the only thing, for instance, a slave loves most lasses. He steals some. His master in the cases goes off to town and buys a large quantity. He returns, takes his whip, and commands the slaves to eat the molasses until the poor fellow is made sick. At the very mention of it, the same mode is sometimes adopted to make the slaves refrain from asking for more food than their regular allowance. A slave runs through his allowance and applies for more. His master is enraged at him, but not willing to send him off without food. Gives him more than is necessary and complies him to eat it within a given time then if he complies that he cannot eat it he is said to be satisfied necessarily full nor fasting and it is whipped for being hard to please i have an abundance of such illustrations of the same principles drawn from my own observations but think the case i have cited sufficient the practice is a very common one only the first day of january 1834 i left mr convey and went to live with mr william freeland who lived about three miles from st michael's i soon found mr freeland a very difficult man from mr convey though not rich he was what would be called an educated southern gentleman mr convey as I have shown well was trained negro breaker and slave driver the former slaveholder 
though he was, seemed to possess some regard for honor, some reverence for justice, and some respect for humanity. The latter seemed totally insensible to such sentiments. Mr. Freeland had many of the faults peculiar to slaveholders, such as being very passionate and fitful, but I must do him the justice to say that he was exceedingly free from those degrading vices to which Mr. Convey was constantly addicted. The one was open and frank, and we always knew where to find him. The other was a most artful deceiver and could be understood only by such as were skillful enough to detect his cunningly device frauds. Another advantage I gained in my new master was he made no pretensions to or profession of religion. And this, in my opinion, was truthfully a great advantage. I asserted most unhesitantly that the religion of the South is a more covering for the most horrid crimes, a a justifier of the most appalling barbarity, a sacrifice of the most hateful frauds, and a dark shelter under which the darkest foul grossest and most inferior deeds of slaveholders find the strongest protection where I to be again reduced to the chains of slavery. Next to that enslavement I shall regard being the slave of a religious master the greatest calamity that held befall me for of all slaveholders with whom I have met religious slaveholders are the most worst I have never found them the meanest and baddest the most cruel and cowardly of all others it was my unhappy lot not only to belong to a religious slaveholder but to live in a community of such religiousness very nearly Mr. Freeland lived in the Veer Daniel Woodland and in the same neighborhood lived the Reverend Douglas Hopkins these were members and ministers in the Reformed Methodist Church Mr. Whelan owned among others a woman slave whose name I have gotten. This woman's back for weeks was kept literally raw, made so by the lash of this merciless religious wrench. He used to hire hands. His maximum was behaved well or behave ill. It is the duty of a master occasional to whip a slave, to remind him of the master's authority. Such was his theory and such his practice. Mr. Hopkins was even worse than Mr. Weedland. His chief boost was his ability to manage slaves. 
the particular feature of his government was that of whipping slaves in advance of deserving it. He always managed to have one or more of his slaves to whip. Every Monday morning, he did this to alarm their fears and strike terror into those who accept, who escaped. His plan was to whip for the smallest offenses to prevent the commission of large ones. Mr. Hopkins could always find some ex excuse for whipping a slave. It would stone one astonished to a slaveholding life. To see with what wonderful ease a slaveholder can find things of which to make occasional to whip a slave. A mere look, a word, or emotion. A mistake? Accident? Or want? Of power? are all matters for which a slave may be wit at any time. Does a slave look dissatisfied? It, it is said he has the devil in him, it, and it must be whipped out. Does he speak loudly when spoken to by his master? Then he is getting high-minded. And should be taken down a buttonhole lower. Does he forget to pull off his hat at the approach of a white person? Then he is wanted in reverence in approach of a white person. Then he is wanting in reverent revenge and should be whipped for it. Does he ever venture to vindicate his conduct when consulted for life? When consulted for life or censored for for it does he ever venture to vindicate his conduct when censored for it then he is guilty of impudence impotence 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 one of the greatest crimes of which a slaveholder can be guilty does he ever venture to suggest a different mode of doing things from that point out by his master he is indeed presumptuous and getting above him and nothing less than a flogging will to do for him does he while plunging break a plug or while hosing break a hose it is owning to his carelessness and for a slave must always be whipped Mr. Hopkins always found something of a sort to justify the use of a lash, and he seldom failed to embrace such opportunities. There was not a man in the whole country with whom the slaves who had getting their own home would not prefer to live. Rather than with this reverend Hop Mr. Hopkins, and yet there was not a man anywhere around who made higher profession of religion or 
was more active in revelations, more attentive to the class, love feast, prayer, and preaching, meeting, and more devotion in his family, and prayed earlier, later, louder, and longer than the same reverend slave driver, Ridley Hopkins. But to return to Mr. Freeland and to my experience while in his employment, he, like Mr. Convey, gave nothing to eat, but unlike Mr. Convey, he would also gave us sufficient time to take our meal, and he worked us hard, but always between sunrise and sunset. He required a good deal of work to be done, but gave us good tools with which to work. His farm was large, but he employed hands enough to work for it, and with ease compared with many of his neighbors my treatment ex while in his appointment was heavily compared with what i experienced at the hands of mr edwards convey mr Fillion himself the owner of but two slaves their names were henry harris and john harris the rest of his hands he hired these consented of life sandy jenkins and handy cadwell Henry and John were quite intelligent, and in the very little while after I went there, I succeeded in creating in them a strong desire to learn how to read. The desire soon sparring up in the others also. They very soon mustered up some sort old spell book, and nothing would do but that I must keep a sabbath school i agreed to do so and accordingly devoted my sundays to teaching those my loved fellow slaves how to read neither of them knew this letter when i was there some of the slaves of the neighboring farms found what i was going on and also unveiled themselves of this little opportunity to learn to read it was understood among all who came that there must be little display about it as possible. It was necessary to keep our religious masters in St. Michael's acquainted with the fact that instead of spending the Sabbath in wrestling, boxing, or drinking whiskey, we were trying to learn how to read the will of God. For they had much rather seen us engage in those degrading sports than to see us behaving like intelligent morals and accountable being. My blood boils as I think of the bloody manners in which Messrs. Wright, Fairbooks, and Garrison West, both class leaders in connection with many others, rushed in upon us with sticks and stones and broke up our various little Sabbath school and St. Mitchell's, all calling themselves Christians, humble followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I am again di digressing. Humble followers of Lord Jesus Christ, but I am digressing again. I held my Sabbath school at the house of the free colored man whose name I deem it 
impudent to mention. For should it be known, it might embrace him greatly, though the crimes holding the school was committed 10 years ago. I had at one time over 40 scholars of those of the right sort. Ardently deserving to learn. They were of all ages, though mostly men and women. I look back to those Sundays with an amount of pleasure not to be expressed they were great days to my soul. The work of instructing my dear fellow slaves was the sweetest engagement with which I was ever blessed. We loved each other, and to leave them with the close of the Sabbath was the severe cross indeed. When I think that these prodigious souls are today shut up, in the prison house of slavery. My feeling overcame me, and I am most ready to ask, does a righteous God govern the universe? And for what does he hold the thunderous in the right hands, if not to spite the oppressor and deliver the spoil out of the hands of the spoiler? Those dear souls came not to Sabbath school because it was popular to do so, nor did it teach them because it was reputable to be thus engaged. Every moment they spent in that school, they were liable to be taken up and given 39 lashes. They came because they wished to learn. Their minds had been starved by their cruel masters. They have been shut up in mental darkness. I taught them because I was the delight of my soul to do something that looked like bettering the condition of my race. I kept up my school nearly the whole year. I lived with Mr. Freeland, and besides my Sabbath school, I devoted three evenings in the weekend and three evenings in the week during the winter to teach the slaves at home. And I have the happiness to know that several of those who came to Sabbath school learned how to read. And that one of least is now free through my agencies. The year passed off smoothly. It seemed only about half as long as the day. As so, Okay, I'm going to pause you guys. I need a sip of water. My mouth is growing dry. Um... I want to get something off my chest to you guys on the podcast. This is where my soul lies. It's here. In this podcast. I'm losing my vision. I feel faded. My body's tingling. And I know that there's more to life than where I'm at. And I know there's one person who's going to listen to this. (laughs) Bruh. I do not know who you are. But share it to one other person. Right now. Click out, bruh. Go share it. I'm here, though. Don't leave. <laughs> what are you talking about, bruh? You gotta watch the end, right? If you left... 
you a dummy. <laughs> because you got to get the full focus when you on something. So if you're here to listen, listen, bro. Listen. You can take notes. Listen, though. This ain't coming from me. This is coming from a very old, wise man. Very wise of the system that is governing your life, wherever you're at. Because he understands the core complex of the origins of the philosophy of life. Um, his was set, of course, in the you know, origins of colonial America. It can now be illustrated deeper into the, the global economy. Um, so... The key thing that everyone needs to remember here was slavery was never a single country's thing. It was amongst a organization. And we're here to read a book about a very old wise man. Um, and take that knowledge and really grow from this, you guys. I'm out here fasting. I've... Um, really been in my pit everyone's got a pit feel your pit find your pit um i'm gonna leave the book down you guys um if you guys stayed this far you guys really need to know that this is about to get really emotional um because this is a very important day in my life this is a day where I give closure to a fellow family member that has been lingering on my mind for the past couple months. Um, it's popped in about four or five times. And whenever the situation first happened, um, you know, seeing blood getting coughed up on the carpet, you know it's real. Everybody has the, a picture like this for themselves. And I ran for mine. Um, and I'm here to put closure to it. You know, I had a lot of habits that built up prior to, but, you know, that, that family member was there prior to all those habits. And, you know, when they left, I should have left all, all that with it. And I should have left it a thousand other times on a thousand other days. And, there's never going to be the right day or the right thing or the right motivation. Um, but I think putting this death with these habits is a good closure to the story of my career. Um, and it'll fit the scenario, quite frankly. So moving on from the view of that. I want to keep you guys on a really growth environment. And anyone who's on here, there's a lot of craziness between where this is about to go. Um, I'm really going to try to focus on doing this book just to finish it up. Um, and then we'll probably put the book club on hold and put a couple other things out there and see if we can really get some other um, interactive uh, segments that we have that I've been thinking about 
Um, this one's a really isolated one because it's just me with the book and there's no really relations with you guys. So, um, you know, we're going to leave it there for in the meantime. I think we're going to get a segment involved with Snapchat. Um, so look out for that because that's a platform I use very honestly a lot so um, fuck with me Pub 21 on Snapchat it'll be up after this episode too oh scoot scoot so with that being said I'm going to end this episode with that. And that gives me something to do. Is add a new. Face. I mean add a new Snapchat account. And. End this. Podcast. I have love for you guys. Even the ones out here that fuck with my podcast. But don't listen to it. Y'all need to know. This was the episode that I got the strength to close off my fucking loose ends. Cover my own damn ass. Get the fuck out the goddamn slum. Put my ass on a fucking yacht. That's the mission, y'all. We ain't going on a yacht to fucking drink. We're going on a yacht to go find jewels. Because we out for that motherfucking loot, boy. Understand the game, man. Fuck your head in. We out there to get a check. Because we got the check to spend the check. And we already straight even if we don't get no check. Because we brought the check. Because we is our own motherfucking check. So step up off. Get up out of here.